0: This episode is brought to you by our friends at Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com/slash/changelog. Move fast and fix things like we do here at Changelog. Catch your errors before your users do with Rollbar. If you're not using Rollbar yet or you haven't tried it yet, they have a special offer for you. Go to rollbar.com/slash/changelog, sign up, and integrate Rollbar to get $100 to donate to open source projects via Open Collective. Once again, rollbar.com/slash/changelog. Bye. Welcome to JS Party, a weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. Tune in live on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, at changelaw.com/live. Join the community and Slack with us in real time during the show at changelaw.com/community. Follow us on Twitter; we're at jspartyfm. And now on to the show.
1: All right, K Ball here. I'm here at Node.js Interactive with. My buddy Nick Nisi. Hello. And we are here with Jory Burson, the standards liaison at Boku, and Mel Hussein, the what is open platform no. uh, Senior Open Web Engineer. Se- senior Open Web Engineer as well as a veteran podcaster herself. Uh, welcome.
2: Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you. Hello.
1: We're excited to talk. So, We wanted to start a little bit exploring standards, because I think standards in JavaScript is something that used to be a dirty word Mm -hmm. and is something that we've gotten World's better about over the last four or five years, and so can you give us kind of the insider's view on what does what do standards even look like for us now?
2: Yeah, that's that's a great point, point. Um, and something that I a point I hope to make in my talk tomorrow morning that that we've kind of used the the word web standards a bit as like a as like a dirty word in, in a way. There's a lot of um, history behind it. It's not exactly positive, you know. You kind of conjure up some some. Um, Bad, bad vibes, but it's really changed quite a bit. Um, and I have to give a lot of credit to some folks on TC39 specifically like Miles Borenz, Dan Ehrenberg, Maggie Pint, you know, folks who've done a lot of um, outreach and bringing people into the fold, opening up that sort of black box for how the process, you know, uh, how decisions get made, how people can... Um, Participate, that kind of thing, and so I think the tides are turning a little bit. Maybe perception is changing, and so at least we hope because it's actually quite a bit of fun, and we'd love to to get more people involved, and, and that's um, a big theme for the TC39 folks at this conference. So. Yeah.
1: So, do you want to open that black box a little bit for our listeners? Oh, uh,
2: sure. Yeah. So, um, I guess what can I what can I share? Um, so. Some things that people might know, um, we meet about six times a year, TC39 does, um, but a lot of the work happens um, in the open on GitHub. So, you can go to the our GitHub pages and track the proposals, track the conversation, um, see what people are, or, or bring your own proposal to the table is another possibility. Um, you know, so, so, all of that is pretty openly documented, and that's something that we really want to emphasize. At at the meetings themselves, a lot of debate happens, a lot of discussion, um, presentations about different kinds of proposals, um, and just sort of analyzing where might there be problems, um, where do implementers think that there are going to be issues, that kind of thing, and then providing the feedback. It's a process that takes a long time, Mm -hmm. and that's something that I think um, can't be... Overstated. It's it's uh, a lot of folks get these ideas. They get very passionate about it, and they want to see it happen now. But we can't work at that pace when we're talking about changing the web. Mm-hmm. The web is the long term. Uh, you know, kind of platform. And so we have to think about change management for it in a very thoughtful, pragmatic way. So the process does uh, involve a lot of conversation and getting a lot of people to to, um, think about it, debate, provide use cases, uh, write tests, um, you know, so that we know that the decisions that are being made are the the right ones. So uh, there's a proposal process that... um, your listeners might be familiar with where we have different stages and um, there are four stages we start down at the very bottom with like hey this is you know an idea like let's uh kind of what it, wouldn't it be cool if you know and and it can take a while to go from that that stage to the final stage stage four which is you know, everybody agrees that it's um, the thing to do. We have multiple, you know, examples of use cases. We've um, shown that it's not, or maybe it might introduce a regression. You know, uh, there's tests for it. But once it gets to that stage, it's going to be in the next edition of the language, which mm-hmm. is now produced on a yearly basis. So that can take a long time. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in between. But um, but it's very important.
3: Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned... Um the, the GitHub TC39 slash proposals is something that I have bookmarked and look mm-hmm. at very regularly. Uh, I don't know the, the details of how things move. And that's one thing I was going to ask. You said that you meet six times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, do proposals move between stages only at those times during those meetings? Or is it? Yes. Okay. Yes,
2: absolutely. So um, they... Uh, it, do a lot of discussion and, and and work and championing and thinking and that kind of thing on the on the issues between. Mm-hmm. But um, it doesn't advance until the committee meets in person, looks each other in the eyes, and says, "Do we all agree that this sh- is ready for the next stage?" Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important. And I I know that we want to work in a asynchronous fashion and everything. But sometimes what what it takes is everybody getting in the same room yeah. um, and saying, "Yes, we." We're really on the same page about this, and yeah. so and, yes,
4: and yes every, we can.
2: Yes, we can.
3: <laughs> uh, every uh, you said anyone can can introduce a proposal, uh, right. but then does it take somebody from TC39 to champion that? Is that how it,
4: yes. How it works? Yes.
2: So um, currently, we uh, ECMA International is the standards mm-hmm. body that um, uh, produces the specification, and uh, members of. Uh, of ECMA companies can Mm -hmm. come and participate in the TCs. I do want to make a pitch that ECMA membership is actually really affordable, um, and it's a pretty, you know, easy peasy process to join. Mm -hmm. Um, So if if participating in standards work in a formal capacity is something that you're interested in, um, I'm joy.com on Twitter, let me know, I'd be very happy to like, you know, help you with your application or whatever. Um, easy stuff. And nice.
1: that's what it takes to be there? Because you know, we were talking about it, there's yes. all this in the open, but yeah, what Nick yeah. is saying, like that's, all the decisions are happening in this room with everyone. Like, what does it take to be in the room where it happens?
2: <laughs> so two, two things. One is uh, that you join the, the um, member uh, organization, ECMA, and the other is that you can be an invited expert. Mm-hmm. And we're actually really open to that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, especially if you're thinking about joining. Um, let us know because we would be happy to invite you to come see what it looks like in person. Um, I think it's worth noting that the it's a three day event. Um, it, the meeting has grown from maybe you know ten people. It used to be like less than less than ten people um, working on the standard to now. I think the last meeting we had like sixty people. So you know that's we've got to know who's coming basically yeah. um, it, it's it's uh, we're, it could grow to the size of a small conference if we weren't careful so um, but we do want uh, to invite folks who are interested in participating to come do that as an invited guest um, especially if you're thinking about joining or if there's an area um, that you would like to present to the committee about um, we'd like to Hear from you.
4: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to chime in here. Um, I think there's um, so the TC thirty nine is you know uh, a, they're kind of put on this pedestal, right? And to some degree, rightfully so, because it's really hard work. Um, but it's also really a self-selecting group of people. You know, um, it's really tedious work. Uh, mm. That's you know um, you know and the output is is lovely, right? We have like wonderful features like async await that that are, are implemented in all browsers that you know that work. Um, but uh, it takes a lot to get there. Uh, and I think one of the things that really makes the, you know, the TC's decisions like, very um, kind of cumbersome sometimes is, is that there's multiple stakeholders, you know. Uh, and the, the first stakeholder really being, and then the most important one being the users of the web, right? So the users of the web platform are, are very important, and we cannot break this for them. Right? So backwards compatibility is important, uh, making sure that uh, implementations of new features don't, don't break. Uh, the, the web, any significant portion of it, anyway, um, and so uh, so that's one stakeholder. Another stakeholders, developers, right? So people that are writing uh, and, and using these these uh, these APIs, these primitives, and so uh, you know, d- d- uh, does this make sense? Is it intuitive? Does this kind of fit in with the overall language design? Um, you know, uh, another very tough stakeholders, implementers. You know, um, can 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 uh, V8 implement this in a way that isn't going to be a huge performance burden? You know, and what does it mean? if, you know, uh, all the implementers are on board except for one, right? And, uh, and, you know, so there's these, like, multiple stakeholders that um, really kind of, I think, drive, um, really, I think, drive home a, a really hard bargain, which is why, you know, you might see a bunch of things uh, in proposal stages, but the reality is, like, things that actually make it into, like, the spec f- for reals you know, uh, and make it across the finish line is like, it's a, it's a very small percentage of that and rightfully so, you know, um, yes. it's really important to kind of, uh, uh think about what we put into the platform because once it's there, it's yep. like never, never going to we, we can't undo it, you know, and, and a good example of that is even just like um, you know, symbols that we choose, you know uh, there's like a literally just a limited number of keys on a keyboard you know, and when we're looking for new symbols, you know, we have to be really careful about picking that symbol because once mm-hmm. we pick it, that's, it's gone. It's forever taken, you know, um, and so these are like really, there's a, there's a lot of really hard decisions and um, it's it's really humbling work uh, and you know, uh, being at Boku like, and being exposed to standards a bit more closely now, right, as, as somebody who was kind of just a, you know, standard web developer and who's now kind of working on the platform more closely, it's it's really humbling and um, it's very insightful.
2: And Mel makes a great point. Sometimes what we have to say no to is more important than what, you know, we say yes to. Mm-hmm. And, and the nature of it is that we'll maybe get you know, a dozen or more proposals for something, and and maybe just one thing is ultimately what makes it through because, um, you know, you can't say you can't say yes to everything, and and maybe you know, and that's that's tough. And that may be part of part of where the negative press, per- press negative comes press. from, but um,
4: but it's important, you know. TC thirty nay, Nay! <laughs> and, I, and, and I'm okay with that personally Yay. because um, because you know the, the web is like a public utility. It's mm-hmm. something that's for everyone. It's it's how people pay their bills. It's how people communicate. It's it's people's only communication medium. Sometimes you know if they're uh, unable to communicate otherwise, like physically otherwise. So. Um, uh, it's uh, we, we we can't break it, and we we have to be careful. Mm-hmm. It. That's right.
1: I'd be interested to hear a little bit. So, Amel, you mentioned there are these different stakeholders, and there was some recent interesting discussion in sort of the uh, CSS world about the distribution of stakeholders and how it tends to mm-hmm. be biased towards implementers. Yep. Is the same thing true in TC thirty nine? What is the balance of representation across different stakeholders?
2: That's a great question. Um, we uh, so. The nature of it is, we could come up with a dozen different specifications, but none of it matters unless it gets implemented, mm-hmm. right? So, th- the power is, you know, really in the hands of the implementers. Um, but we have quite a few um, folks from from companies you would be surprised to hear, you know, Airbnb, PayPal. Um, there are a couple of smaller companies like Boku, Tilda, um, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. So, I, I would say that. It's, uh, gallia also is another one. Um, if I were to give it, to give it a per, percentage, I might say like it's 50-50 would maybe be a good, I feel like it's 50-50. But the louder voices are still the, the implementers mm-hmm. because ultimately if they don't put it in, it doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: this episode is brought to you by our search partners at algolia algolia is a powerful search as a service solution and it's easy to integrate and use with api clients ui libraries and even pre-built integrations if you've ever searched Hacker News, Teespring, Medium, Twitch, or even Product Hunt, then you've experienced the search results of Algolia's search API. We even use Algolia here to change the power our search. We're able to fine-tune our indexing, gain insights from search patterns, as well as analytics. We can create custom query rules to influence our content's ranking behavior. We have full control. It's awesome, and we love it. Check the show notes for a link to get started for free, or learn more by going to algolia.com. That's A-L-G-O-L-I-A dot com.
1: So let's go back a little bit and talk about the staging of Mm. things. I think uh, there was some interesting stuff we, we were talking about, maybe covering in terms of when do you jump in on something? You know, what yes. do the different stages mean, and what happens if you start using something before it's fully solidified, yes. and, and that sort of area? So, what are those stages, and what do they imply for developers?
2: Yes. So, um, you know, I'm a conservative person. I'm fairly risk averse. Uh, so, my advice to people is don't implement it until you know it's actually in, um, you know, it's in, it's published. Um, but generally, if somebody um, wants to uh, implement something in stage four, that's okay, that's a, that's a safe uh, bet. Usually if it's stage four, it's not coming out, it's, it's going to be adopted in, in the final draft of the spec. Uh, it's when you start looking at things that are younger than that, um, less mature ideas, uh, that that it, you get into the super danger zone. And um, again, stage the first stage being this is a this is an idea you might want to implement it as a um, you know just as a, a test case, a proof of concept. By stage three, we expect there to be uh, tests and you know some some really solid use cases. Um, and stage four, uh, you know, that's that's when it, you're in the safer zone. But what's
1: the process for making decisions about what's moving from stage to stage?
2: So what happens is somebody will author a proposal, and they will bring it to the meeting. A champion brings it to the meeting and dis- presents. There's discussion, um, and at the end of that discussion, the champion might ask what do you guys think, or y'all think? Do you think it's time? Can we move it to the next st- stage? Um, and the committee will say yes or no. We want to see, you know, more X, Y, Z. So um, then the champion will you know, take that feedback, or um, they'll get their green light to, to move it to the next step, and then they have more work to do, right? So, and that all happens on the champion's timeline, or who, like whoever is authored the proposal. It's mm-hmm. it's at their, they move at the pace that they can move, that the, the, the group of people who feel like this is important can move. So it's not like there's a, there's not, it's not a timeline-driven sort of thing, it's an effort, and like, how much time, I guess, it's time intensive in that like how much time does it take to get people to the table to get um, the idea kind of um, seasoned if you will.
1: And to get that green light, is that a majority vote? Is that a unanimous consensus? Like, what does that look like?
2: Um, So we're consensus seeking. And so um, a lot of times the question is, you know, does anybody oppose moving this to the next stage? Um, And, you know, a lot of times the answer is yes. (laughs) So. um, So
3: really anyone has like a veto power almost? Yeah.
2: Yeah, everybody comes, you know, to the table as as peers. Mm -hmm. So anybody could say, I'm not comfortable with that or I would be more. and that's just an opportunity to like discuss the issue more acutely. So, sure. so the debate is very valuable, um, and people saying, mm, you know, it's not, it's it's not a bad thing. Hmm. Um, it's very healthy.
3: And you mentioned uh, tests are part of that, and uh, I think Amel, you're you're uh, a big part of that. Can you describe what what that is, what the process is around uh, tests, and how how that affects the. A, pro- a proposal of moving through the standards process?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, uh, TC39 maintains the official conformance suite for testing JavaScript, which means it's tests written in JavaScript that test JavaScript, and um, and I say that because uh, these tests are run in uh, different uh, JavaScript engine runtime contexts, and so mm-hmm. uh, you know it tests uh, how uh, V8, for example, or uh, JavaScript Core, uh, which is you know the WebKit uh, 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 runtime, uh, how how does how does it implement this feature, right? And so um, so we write. Um, Tests which basically follow the specification, you know, and so we and we try to to break break things, you know. We we uh, so there are tests, you know, that have invalid inputs, etcetera. Um, uh, you know, so we test the expected and we test the unexpected, mm-hmm. and then. Um, those tests are then used to, uh, you know, b- by implementers. You know, so they basically import that project, run it in their own CI process, and it helps um, implementers when they're when they're adding features, basically to test their code. You know, and so it's this wonderful like validation, and uh, it's something that really drives interoperability. It's like really important for like making sure that you know. Um, uh, you know uh, JavaScript cores implementation of uh, generators is the same as Chrome's you know and it's not gonna cause weird bugs like and uh, and, and, and everybody wins right uh, so um, so it's to push web interoperability but also um, it, it, it like heavily speeds up development process uh, for implementers you know because if they have tests and they're not having to think about it or write, their own, uh, it, it really helps aid the the process uh, tremendously. And I'm I'm really proud to uh, you know say that like my uh, coworker, worker uh, my, my teammates, uh, you know Rick Waldron. Uh, actually, Rick was technically my boss. He's my boss. <laughs> my boss, Rick Waldron, my teammate Leo Balter are maintainers for TC uh, for, for the project. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a small body of uh, maintainers, um, and I've contributed to that project as well.
3: Is it a, a custom? Um Testing platform like is it? It's not like just or something, right? It's it is <laughs>
4: not just. But, but, but it is just like in the sense okay. that it, it's a light, very thin test harness uh-huh. uh, that's used uh, for the development purposes. But the, but every implementation has their own ru- like runner and harness and I all see. of that. Uh, and and it, for us, it's it's very minimal and it's very un- unlike writing tests for uh, like a web application where you're trying to be dry and reuse things and you have a set of helpers. Like you're you're writing tests for the spec, which means that, like, you don't have to ever really edit this test again, you know? And every test has to be atomic, you know? So literally, like, one specification will introduce, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tests uh, because, uh, you know, every test file tests, like, one line in the spec. Um, and uh, there might be multiple uh, test files for one line, even you know. And so, uh, so it's very atomic, very different. Like there's no like concept of like adding spies and mocks or you know. It's like as minimal like as possible. Um, and even uh, when you're testing features in like ES6, you know, we're, okay, we're, we're let's say we're writing tests for async await. You know, we're not really going to be using arrow functions or whatever. Else. Like we're not going to be using other ES6 features. <laughs> like we're, we have to like minimize the usage of. JavaScript features um, in the specification year that, like, you know, we're testing mm. uh, for. So it's it's a very different type of project, and um, I, you know, I think we're going to be writing uh, a bit more about that on Boku's blog. Um, you know, just what what it's like to contribute to this, like.
2: And I think contributing work. is a great way to get familiar with the spec. So mm-hmm. it's a if you if you really love tests, ML loves tests. I, I love know. tests. If you really love tests, it's a great way to 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 learn the specification as That's well.
3: It's really cool. I, honestly did not know that there that that is something out there that I could contribute to. You can
4: contribute and you'll (laughs) learn a lot for it. Yeah. And and and, and it's a really wonderful gift that like will outlive you and all of us, you know? Yeah. Uh, because the web is here to stay. Hopefully. It also sounds (laughs) like it's a pretty low barrier
1: way to get involved. Because these things Uh are so tiny and atomic that, you know, if you only have a little bit of time and you want to learn about a little bit of the spec, you go, you write three or four tests and you're you're in the door. You've started yeah. onboarding and you've started contributing back to not just open source, but to the entire platform of the web.
2: Yeah, and I actually want to make a comment about other ways to get involved beyond joining and going to these meetings, which are laborious. Um, the tests are a great way. Um, contributing um, use cases, um, you know, tra- trying out some of the implementations in your own projects and providing feedback on that um, are are all really effective. Data points. Um, There's a couple of different efforts to um, improve documentation and to um, get more feedback from different groups, like educators, for example. Like, what can we be doing to make the language more accessible to newcomers? Hmm. Those are all um, really important things to be talking about beyond, like, what new crap can we put in this language (laughs) next year? Which is like, you know, fine, but also we have a lot of crap, you know, so.
3: (laughs) That's really good. I didn't consider like getting those perspectives. That's a a really good thing to hear that that that's happening. Yes,
4: yeah. More than
3: just getting features and syntactic sugar and making my life easier. Yeah. uh, But actually, you know, does it actually provide benefit beyond that?
4: Yeah.
1: I'd be curious to hear a little bit about What are the boundaries of what is and is not specified? One Mm -hmm. thing that came up in a recent JS party that we were talking about was error messages Mm -hmm. and the fact that the same error can have different error messages across every different browser. Yeah. Uh, Where are the lines that are left up to the discretion of the implementer?
4: That is a great question. Yeah. Oh, I I have so many thoughts on this. Okay, you go for (laughs) it. So I wrote a bunch of tests for Atomics, which is like you know this awesome new feature. It's a new built-in that's coming into the language that um, basically. brings threading to JavaScript. It's like sick. It's so amazing. Anyway, so uh, this was kind of like my first big stab at like contributing tests into tester 6.2, and one of my annoyances were like, what that why Why are the messages not standardized? And I kept like harping on this, you know like this doesn't make any sense at all. like I, you know my web developer brain, I'm thinking like you know adding logging and messaging. It's all about having your namespaces and you know making sure that you can trace things down to wh- where it came from and you know how are you supposed to know the difference between you know uh, the same error that's happening in Safari versus you know uh, like uh, edge and um, so uh, apparently, like it's really difficult to, to standardize uh, like that. Um, and so, reading through the specification, you'll see that there's a bunch of things that have like double square bracket, and those are kind of like internal implementation details. So uh, they're not they're they're not um, they're not specified like how they're implemented isn't specified, but how they how they behave is. You know, so it's like behavior versus. Um, uh, v- versus implementation. And so there's some things that are left up to the implementers because they're writing the code and that part is like, it's it's unreachable by JavaScript, right? So the, the parts that we can observe are the parts that we test, which is that an error is being thrown. Mm-hmm. But the contents of that error are not really like, it's not really where the, va- the value is, right? It's just that like when this thing happens, an error should be thrown. You know, when this thing happens, like, you know, uh, you know we, we can assume X, Y, Z conditions, you know, so there's assumptions uh, and then there's like internal implementation and then there's what's actually observable, and you know, um, and so yeah, so there's just it's multi, multi, multi-layered, and it it, it's, it deserves its own discussion. And I think with implementers, like you know, because I think it's a fascinating topic.
1: If you're listening so. to this and you're an implementer, we want to talk to you. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Joy, I, is messages? there anything else you, you wanted to add to that? I think.
2: Um, no, I mean, I think I think you 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 nailed it. I mean, it's it's one of those things where there's for a lot of people on the committee like there's a desire to to specify further and then um, then there's lots of pushback the other way and and you know in, in the standards process itself it's all about that push pull between like web developers want x and implementers need to focus on you know y and hmm. so what's the what's the harmonious balance we can reach in between and that is, that's that's why it takes so long sometimes so
4: yeah it's 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 it really like you know it'll it, it can take like multiple committee meetings for one little thing to advance just partially you know let mm-hmm. alone cuz you know they're going everybody comes back with like no, you know lots of it's, it's lots of really smart people breaking down a problem and you yes. know, yeah and finding the holes you know the most yeah.
2: glorious bike shed you've ever <laughs> yeah. witnessed
4: and I, I want to make a community service announcement actually since we're talking about standards um, and this is something that I you know I know Jory's extremely passionate about as well um But uh, please, please, please stop using uh, proposals in production, you know. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's a good segue into my, my. my, my, but, like, you know, uh, uh, proposals are proposals and they they will change. They're almost guaranteed to change. You know, Decorators is a prime example of that. So, um, you know, Babel uh, makes it really easy for us to use these uh, kind of, you know, stage zero, stage one presets. But, um, you know, they've now since, like, kind of added messages and warnings, you know, saying, like, this is not, you know, just an FYI, like, you know, this is going to change. This is not real JavaScript yet. Um, so uh, just just understand that, like, it's a major maintenance burden um, for you and your teams um, just moving forward. Like, yeah, somebody might write some automated way to refactor it, but it's still, like, something that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And it's still, like, decisions that need to be made by product teams and QA teams. And, you know, uh, it's just not worth it. So... Be responsible and only use real JavaScript. <laughs> we should we should we should make like a real JavaScript sticker. Keep calm and real use real JavaScript. JavaScript. Yeah. Like
1: real I like TM yeah. JavaScript. You know? Wonder if you can make like a Michael Pollitt reference where you do the three things like yeah. uh, you know use JavaScript not too much, you know, mostly real or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> real. proposal yeah. stage three or yes. above or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Only
4: only right. shop at Whole Foods JavaScript. Yeah. You know? Use real <laughs>
1: JavaScript not too much. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I primarily write TypeScript, and so I kind of go by that as mm-hmm. the the new features that when they get added to that language, then I can kind of start yeah. using them. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so kind of segueing into your talk a little bit, um, tell us a little bit about what what you're going to be talking about uh, at the conference?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, so my talk is on um, machine powered refactoring. Uh, so leveraging ASTs, uh, which you know are abstract syntax trees, to basically push your uh, legacy code and the web forward. You know, and your legacy code and and consequently, like, the web forward. Um, and so the idea is that, you know, the web is like an evolving and moving target, um, and, you know, we have, uh, as Jory, you know, so eloquently pointed out, the new specifications that are being added to the language. Uh, you know, so the language itself is shifting, the web APIs are shifting, uh, and, and new things are getting added. De- you know, uh, dependencies are getting changed, uh, versions, you know, uh, or deprecated, you know, and you have code that you also want to deprecate. You know? So we have all these changes that we need to make and we need to kind of really get comfortable with uh, automating that process mm-hmm. and, and doing doing it in a safe way and, and, and using tools that are better than Regex, you know, or, or simple find and replace. There's nothing better than Regex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Regex. My brain, if you say it three times, like, you know, my brain will explode. So please just be careful on the number of, like... Regex, Regex, ta- yeah. no, it's Halloween, yeah. so maybe a Beetlejuice no. will show up. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So basically, isn't there a statement
1: about that? Right. Like, any uh, any problem you're gonna eventually reduce it to doing regexes. (laughs) Like anything dealing with text. And then you have
3: two problems. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I
1: mean, they're so powerful up to a point. Yeah. And then you can get yourself in so much worlds of pain.
4: So, uh, so basically, ASTs are uh, this powerful um, thing uh, that like helps. uh, You know, so when your code is basically processed by, uh, you know, a a language uh, parser, uh, you know, it first gets broken down into a tree, and that tree is, like, this predictable data structure that, like, then you can use to, like, safely make changes to your code uh, and kind of do an in-place regeneration. And so those were kind of the things that I'll be exploring tomorrow.
5: (laughs) This episode of JS Party is brought to you by OneMonth.com, one of the best places to learn how to code in just one month. Their courses have helped over 60,000 students go from knowing zero about coding to building programs and languages like JavaScript, Python, and Ruby. OneMonth.com graduates have gone on to get jobs at awesome startups like Airbnb, Instagram, and Spotify. Their courses are easy to follow with step-by-step video tutorials, instructor-led with weekly assignments reviewed by your instructor, and results-driven with each student graduating the course with a portfolio of projects to show prospective employers as well as a certificate of completion. If you're interested in taking your career to the next level, head to onemonth.com slash jsparty and get 10% off any coding course. Once again, that's onemonth.com slash jsparty to get 10% off any coding course. A big thank you to onemonth.com for supporting JSParty and online education.
3: There's a lot of tools uh, around that, and there's even lots of ASTs. And do they all kind of have similar data structures that they they eventually get converted into, or do they all have their own uh, subtle inter- intricacies between them?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, ASTs, uh, uh, you know, so there 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 is a, an effort to standardize, you know, ASTs and. You know, just tokens in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, currently, like, there's a few different competing uh, versions. You know, so Babel has, the, depending on like uh, what parts you're using. You know, Esprima, uh, Babel, Acorn, etc. They're all a little different. But um, as long as you're using the same one to make your changes uh, continuously throughout your process, it, it you shouldn't have any issues, right? Mm. Is it what's when you're mixing uh, things? You know, in, that you kind of get into trouble. Mm. Um, yeah. But that's a great question.
1: Nice. So, what are the what are the problem domains in which someone should look at doing that, and where does the line come where you say, okay, this is not actually easy to do from a machine. We need to get a person involved.
4: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, if you have um, a, uh, a change that is, um, I would say, c- m- queryable, and it's like that's a n- known, uh, a, a known like a, a fi- finite and scoped problem right mm-hmm. for example uh, uh, we changed the API of this class which is now used all over our code base to, to take an extra parameter you know so now I want to you know uh, refactor like across the code base safely uh, you know how would I do that you know and so um, that's a good use case for an AST uh, and you can also leverage um, uh, an AST based transformation um, you can also leverage um, air handling or uh, adding in like a um, a code snippet or something like a marker for something that you want to maybe do manually. Like if, if it doesn't, you know, if, if it's like a 90% match for your use case, but you're like, oh, I found something that's funny. Um, y- y- that's something that you can also do. It's a little trick, but no. I'm yeah.
3: that. Uh, so I have a little bit of experience with this. Uh, I work on the Dojo project, oh. and uh, we have a, a CLI tool and a bunch of components, uh, plugins for that. And one of them is an upgrade tool so we 've been making some drastic changes as we go and we we consolidated eight packages into one package uh, for between versions so one really easy transform was go look for any import uh, go look at all the imports and if they match where this import was change it to this and so that 's a really easy finite one uh, but as we get more and more complex uh, another example is something where we have a something that still exists a, a component that still exists but instead of uh, it being like a higher order function that you would call that returns a component, you just use it as a component. And so uh, I can go through and query the, the data structure, the, the AST, find out if it's being imported, what its name is, find that token in there, and then see if it's actually being called or if it's just being passed as a, an argument. Uh, and from there, I can't really um, refactor that, but I can output logging and say, hey, you're using this here, it's changed, you should go in and Fix that.
4: Yeah, and, and that's something that I get into too. Like it's it, it's an ability for you to query your code base, mm-hmm. right? And understand like where where, do, where does the complexity lie? Where do I have like seven function calls that are being made from one function? You know, where do I have like 17 variables you know being defined? Like, you know, it, it's a way for you to understand like what are the patterns of your code base. Um, and then also take the opportunity to like improve your custom linting rules as well. Yeah. You know, so I, I always like if you if you make a transform or if you are doing something that you're deprec- you've deprecated some uh API or whatever, like you can, you know, also use uh, ASTs to, to uh, extend out your linter to like be a bit more accustomed to your team's conventions and like you know, uh, or, or you can use it to like, reinforce um, this bug from never happening. You know, so like if you ever fix a bug, like you should ask yourself like, hey, can I? Um, is there a linting rule or is there something that I can do to automate? this so that nobody else has to ever fix this bug again? If the answer is yes, then go do that, and then the next question should be oh, uh, if, if the answer is no, then okay, can I write a unit test so that like our build will cat you know so wh- and then if the answer is no i can't write a unit test okay then can i write an integration test and the answer will definitely be yes you know so so there's like multiple layers for also just like stopping regressions from happening and i'm um, trying to automate that and make that like bi- as binary as possible uh just takes the human emotion and human time out of it you know which is like really valuable so does that make sense to y'all? Yeah, yeah.
3: definitely. That's so. not something that I had really considered either. I haven't written custom linting rules. Super easy.
4: Come to y- my talk tomorrow. Yeah. You'll, you'll learn
3: how. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I don't know. I yes. imagine these talks are going to be published online at some point. I was point.
2: just wondering that myself. And I, I feel like I should ha- I should know that, but I don't know that. I don't know. There
1: are but cameras in the back of the room. Yeah, so. I, I
2: think they're all getting recorded. Yeah. yeah. So if so, you're listening
1: to this, yeah. check. And see YouTube. if ML's talk is up yet.
4: Yeah, hopefully.
2: And they usually get them up really quick after the event. Too. Awesome. Oh, that's nice.
4: Yeah.
3: So, are there any um, tools or references or places to start for someone who is interested in learning more about ASTs that you'd recommend?
4: Um, I uh, my talk on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And uh, my link to my slides, which you know maybe we can include in the show notes yeah. or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. for sure. But, yeah. Uh, Send but there's them also I,
4: there's also like an awesome AST. Uh, which is kind of sparse, but I have a bunch of resources that I put together when I was researching from my talk, so I hope to add to that cool. uh, list. So.
1: Um, if you all have time, I'd love to poke at one other subject, oh. uh, which is, so Boku yeah. is an open source consultancy, mm-hmm. which is a model that I think that certainly fascinates me, but I, I think is probably something a lot of our audience may be interested in as well. Can you describe what, what does that even mean? Open yeah. source consultancy as compared to just an agency or something else?
2: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. So yes, we like to call our, we're a professional services uh, firm, right? And so there's a lot of different types of these kinds of companies and in different industries and we serve the open source um, and open web um, you know, tech industry. Um, so what that meant in 2010 20, 2009 when the company was first formed and what it means now are different because like the, everything changes mm-hmm. you know and you kind of have to be you know uh, stay with stay with the changes so in in 2009 it meant um, convincing people that javascript was a language worth like learning and using an enterprise. It meant um, teaching people a lot about new tools like jQuery that they could use, you know, to to, to um, better, you know, uh, work with the DOM and that kind of thing. And, and it's evolved uh, over time to include a lot of um, work on tools and things that make um, life better for developers. And that's really, I think, Whatever happens with technology in the future, I think what what Boku will be doing is whatever it it needs to be done in order to help um, advocate and improve uh, the lives of developers and users that they support, right? Because that's the other constituency that we care a lot of, a lot about. Um, in practice, you know, today that means we're working a lot on infrastructure tools and and primarily like the the test suites, but also Amel's um, team. If you want to. Plug Gaia really quick.
4: Oh yeah. Um, so I, I've kind of. Uh, uh, so at Boku, like, uh, our our model is, uh, you know, we have uh, engineers that work on, you know, our reliability standards and testing projects, you know, with uh, our browser vendors, uh, and then uh, some of us also work, um, still kind of do what Boku was really kind of, uh, kind of famous for, which is like we make amazing web apps, you know. But we've kind of really evolved from making amazing web apps, which you know. Um, we feel like you know the community is really there, right? Uh, but we're kind of we have pushing the we're pushing the boundaries now with um, uh, you know uh, computer vision and uh, you know augmented reality and like in, like intera- like games and interactive media, right? So web applications that are uh, kind of um, that have all of those components uh, that are like a little bit more niche, you know. And so uh, you know we're not really like working on standard React Redux apps. We're working on like really complex things that um, uh, kind of really leverage the Web API. Uh, web platform APIs heavily, you know, and our like our, ex- our expertise on these APIs kind of really helps us kind of uh, help our customers, uh, kind of push push the boundaries forward with what they can do with their web applications. So.
2: so, I think to your point about like what's what what's really the difference between like that kind of service versus an agency, you know, where we try and serve is um, in that sort of like longer term relationship and commitment. Not just to you know the technology, but also like to the product, but also to the technology and helping um, companies understand what the life cycle of that technology is, you know, um, you know how to how to work with it um, in a healthy, sustainable, maintainable kind of way versus like we've we've got we need a, an application for our you know car rental company, um, which is has more of like a marketing and advertisement kind of focus to it. Um, we're really there for like the, the tools and the teams behind the tools. Um,
1: Got it. So you're doing consulting work, mm-hmm. but focused on essentially open source infrastructure. Here's That's how right. you're going to be able to use these. Here's how you plug into the web standards
2: and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Here's, here's how to kind of think about where your company is in its like transition to maybe becoming more of a tech Company that's the thing that's um, of concern right now for a lot of uh, companies. How do we do? How do we go about our digital transformation? That sort of buzzword, um, you know. And how do we how do we do it in a responsible way? Because we can't just like go chasing the next best. Framework, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever—that's not really gonna um, get it done. You know, what, what's, how do we need to organize? How do we need to think? Um, what are some of the things we need to learn? Some of the things we need to let go of—that, that kind of thing.
4: You yeah, know, and I think uh, my last point on this is that I think book uh, engineers at Who are, are very unique in the that, like, you know, we have a. Uh, Strong web developer background, uh, but we're also really involved with uh, the web platform. And those two worlds are actually like—it's funny—they're operating on the same thing. You know, web developers mm-hmm. make things for the web. Platform engineers make things uh, make the make the web, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And it's like, but 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 they're two different worlds, and the mm. the the Venn diagram between the, those two is like you know the, is is small. And um yep. and you know, Boku kind of interestingly fits fits in both of those worlds. Yeah,
2: we, yeah, we try. We definitely have yeah. tried to do that.
4: Neat. Anything else you all
1: want to talk about?
2: Just how much fun I had getting to meet you two. And,
1: yeah, and this has been yeah. great. And I feel like I've I've learned a lot about standards and a little bit about ASTs. And now I'm really yeah. excited. I hope I can make your talk tomorrow. Ho- if not, I'm going to watch that re-
3: recording.
4: Yeah, on YouTube. Yes. Hopefully, yeah, we can include it in the show notes. And uh, thank you very much for inviting us. It's been mm-hmm. an absolute pleasure. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you.
0: All right, thank you for tuning in to JS Party this week. Tuning live on Thursdays at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern at slash live. Join the community and Slack with us in real time during the shows. Head to slash community and do us a favor share this show with a friend or us have a podcast. Go into Overcast and favorite it. And thank you to Fastly, our bandwidth partner. Head to Fastly.com to learn more and we move fast to fix things around right here at changelog because of rollbar check them out at rollbar.com we're hosted on Lino cloud servers at to changelog check them out and support this show our music is produced by breakmaster cylinder and you can find more shows just like this at changelog.com thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week
5: I'm Tim Smith and my show away from keyboard explores the human side of creative work. You'll hear stories sometimes deeply personal about the triumphs and struggles of doing what you love.
4: I ended up in hospital with burnout. I just kept ignoring the way that it was making me feel and just kept powering through it. And then eventually my body started to give me physical symptoms to say like, hey, you should stop and listen
5: to me. New episodes premiere every other Wednesday. Find the show at changelog.com slash AFK or wherever you listen to podcasts.